Hi, friends. Happy 2020. Welcome to another year and another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm just so happy to be here with you. What a great thing. We get to start a brand new year. It's going to be a really good one. You can tell already from the music in the background, it's from our good buddy, Mr. Torrin Wells. And this song is called Citizen of Heaven from his new album, Citizen of Heaven, that releases on January 24th. It is available for pre-order. Y'all need to grab it. I've gotten to hear the whole thing. It is, it's so good. And Torrin will be on the show pretty soon to chat about it. But we are thankful to him and his team for letting us use his music this spring to get us going. I mean, this song is, it's where it's at. It's who we're going to be. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Prep Dish. If you're a regular listener, then you know Prep Dish has been my secret weapon for healthy, stress-free meals for years. It's a meal planning service. So every meal you get an email with the grocery list and prep ahead instructions. So all your meals are ready for the week. Allison, our friend and the founder, we are we changed things up a little bit and y'all seem to be liking it. Here's an even easier way to try out these meal plans. All you have to do is text meal plan to 33777 to get a free week. Again, that's meal plan, one word, to 33777. Allison has created this beginner's menu that walks you step by step through the most efficient way to prep for your meals. It's gonna save you so much time. You'll do about an hour of chopping and mixing and marinades and that kind of stuff on Sunday or maybe Saturday. But after the initial prep work, each meal is so quick and easy. You don't even need to think about it at mealtime for real. Just follow the instructions. Use the ingredients you've already prepped for a quick and easy meal that your friends or family will love. So if you want to give Prep Dish a try, text meal plan, one word, meal plan to 33777. Today on the show, I want you to really listen into my intro here for a second because I know there are a lot of y'all that listen with your kids in the car and kids around and nine episodes out of 10, I love that. But today with my guest, Seth Haynes, we're going to dive into a real conversation about addiction. And I just want you to have a heads up that we do talk pretty openly about sex and pornography. And therefore, I think this probably is not a show to listen to with all your tiny people. So just wanted to give you a heads up anytime we feel like there is content that your littlest kids maybe shouldn't hear, I like to give you a warning. So there you go with that. Seth Haynes has been a dear friend of mine for close to a decade now. His wife, Amber Haynes, who is also an incredibly prolific writer and an amazing woman. And I used to write for Encourage together back maybe, yeah, close to a decade ago. And I got to become friends with Seth as well through Amber. And we have just continued. And I'm so thankful. His first book was called Coming Clean. The one that came out this week is called The Book of Waking Up. It is a really special read. And this conversation means a lot to me. I hope you will um, open your heart as you open your ears. I hope you will ask yourself some of the hard questions that Seth and I ask each other in this conversation. And I think we'll all be better for it at the end of this hour. So um, as always, I am thankful you are here. I'm thankful you trust me with your ears and trust my friends that I bring on here. And that feels really profound to me today. So thank you. Thank you. Here is my conversation with author Seth Haynes. Seth Haynes, I can't believe it's your first time on the show. This is amazing. That's the craziest part of all this is people come and I'm like, yeah, why haven't you been like Sarah Bessie was on at Christmas. I'm like, 
Oh, right. Well, I haven't. You've been on 54 times. So I'm sorry. I don't think I had the podcast when Coming Clean came out. No way. It's 2015? Yeah. So the yeah. show started once a month in 14. So yeah, I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't have it. So you've had a one book out for four years. That's right. Your second book came out this week. Tell me what you learned about yourself releasing your first book. Yeah, I learned um, that I was a lot darker than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> 2015, I released uh, the book Coming Clean. Some people have called it the um, lighthearted summer beach read of 2015. <laughs> but I don't know those people. No, I don't know those people it either. It was not that for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that book was, uh, it chronicled my um, 90 days of walking into sobriety, walking away from the, bo- the bottle. Um, and it was a really dark season for me, and mm-hmm. I just journaled that as honestly and creatively as I knew how. Um, so as I did that, as I unpacked the layers of years of undealt with pain, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just found the dark thread. Yeah. <laughs> but I also found the silver lining, too, and I yeah. also found the, the the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You're an Enneagram 5. I am. Though we're also trying to be respectful that John Mark Comer was on a few months ago and was like, Enneagram should be sacred. Yes. And we don't always have to talk about our numbers. Yes. So we're trying to honor that as well. Yep. But also I think it's important for people to hear you talk about sobriety from a point of view of a type, a personality type and a Seth type that can pull away and hide from people and be in a cave. Yeah. And that is the perfect recipe for addiction. Yeah. Enneagram types, to John Mark's point, Enneagram types, it's not a party trick. You know, it's not something that we should uh, pull out to type each other necessarily or to put each other in other boxes. That said, you know, I never really drank like a seven. uh, Yeah, For for lack of a better, um, I guess, number. Um, It wasn't all about going out in the party and having a big time. um, For me, it really was retreating from pain, from hurt. And, you know, I drank a lot alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I drank a lot in siloed uh, social settings. Mm -hmm. So I would break off at four o'clock and and do, you know, client development where I would drink. And then I would meet another set of friends at happy hour and have a drink. And then I would go home with Amber and have a drink. And no one actually knew how much I was drinking because I was so siloed. Mm -hmm. It is a very five way to drink. Um, And that doesn't even get to, you know, the drinking in secret. Yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting because my drinking, I don't really talk about it publicly just because it's hard to figure out how to talk about healthy alcohol yep. intake. Yep. But I, I seven, if this experience is good, if we're sharing a clam, uh, like we had a brunch yesterday for someone's birthday and the drink can either be a single drink or they'll bring it in a clamshell that has four straws. Well, Why not the clamshell? Why not the clamshell, right? So for me, to me, it is always a enhancing an experience yeah. versus what I do with Oreos at my house, yeah. which is yeah. a very different thing. Yeah. So for me, um, the clamshell has no allure uh, okay. uh, to me. To me, um, when I'm in a setting, a social setting, when I was in a social setting and I was drinking heavily, I was always counting drinks, making sure that like, oh, if I'm with Annie and Amber and, you know, yeah. Preston, um, are they going to know how much I've drink, uh, how much I've are had to drink? Up? Are they oh, keeping wow. up? Do they know if I'm tipsy? And so it literally became a math game, which wow. is the most ridiculously five thing to say is that it was a math game. No, I think it's an addiction game. Absolutely. Because I can do the same thing yeah. with food. Yeah. I can do the same thing with text messages to men. Yeah. I can do the same thing with just about anything yep. that is a lean toward for me 
to be a version of addicted to. Yeah, and that's what I think I learned coming out of uh, writing Coming Clean and just talking to people about uh, various addictions is like anything can be an addiction. Anything. We are all drunk on something. Clay Scroggins says everything's a drug. Everything's a drug. It's <laughs> it so depends true. depends on how you use it, yeah. So true. Yeah. I started to say this to you before we hit record, but I was like, no, 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 I want to do it live. I have never had an actual addiction. Like I've never been, I would have ever said I was addicted to anything and and a couple of months ago, my counselor said I kind of quit texting a particular man and quit spending time with him. Mm. I had changed how I was eating a little bit, and I had brought in some other disciplines. And I was going, everything hurts. Mm. She goes, yeah, it's because you're sober. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. I, what do you mean? I don't get drunk. I don't do drugs. I don't. Da, da, da. And she was like, right. But see, you all your drugs, you stopped them. Yeah. They just weren't actual drugs. Yeah. So I mean, what were your drugs? Um, I think I wouldn't say men are a drug. I would say being attractive and attracted. Mm-hmm. The feeling of that game yeah. got really addicting to me yeah. of Am I attractive? Yeah. Am, am I attracted to? Can I keep your attraction? Can I get your attraction? That became a an addiction for me. Yeah. Is that weird? No. No. And the reason why it's not weird is because that feeling that you have is sacramental. I mean, this is and this is kind of the the work that I've been doing over the last now four years. Yeah. Is, you know, these things that that we we are so prone to be addicted to, whether it's the 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 feeling of the chase, the feeling of being attracted, whether it's the feeling you get when you cash out a half bag of Oreos or, uh, you know, an extra helping of chips, whether it's the feeling that you get when you have an extra drink, whether you go online and shop, whatever that feeling is like. So many people I know secretly smoke. Oh, absolutely. Right. I talked to somebody last week who said, I can't wait to uh, buy a pack of cigarettes. And I'm yes. like, wait a second, you smoke? Right. You know, whatever those feelings are, like those have been given to us for our good. That's our brain mm. chemistry working to do very good things, yeah. you know, like. Love, true love is a good thing. Attraction brings us to true love. And so God wants us to experience attraction, right? God wants us to experience what it feels like to go on the hunt and to buy something that we need for our families. Like God gave us that. God gave us wine for a reason. Yeah. There are scriptures. Yeah, because that even talk though you don't it. drink, you take communion. With Absolutely, real wine. I yeah. take communion, and and this is a little bit of a paradigm shift. Um, when I talk about uh, alcoholism and when I talk about addiction, like, I don't talk about this in teetotal terms. Mm. I don't think, uh, for me, that that is the healthiest way to go. Okay, the healthiest way for me to go is not to say I'm going to never drink again. I'm going to never have a drink again because I get in these mind loops, right? And then it becomes super daunting. And what's the next thing I want to do? reach for the bottle. So instead, what I say is, how can we look at the things that have been given to us for our good by God and participate those in a way that orders them under Mm. Christ? That's the question. If we can't order those things under God, if we can't see them as given to us for our good by Him, we will misuse them 100 times out of 100. Okay, so, I, at least I will. So 18 minutes before we walk toward our addiction, whatever it is, everyone can think of one right now that Absolutely. is their thing. Yeah. When you say put it under Christ, I agree with you. Just sometimes I don't know 18 minutes before I'm going to do the thing how to do that. To me, that's a lot of what the book of waking up is. But also in your life, 
And in my life, what do we do in that moment? Yeah, so that's a fascinating question because I failed miserably at this just yesterday. Okay. So just yesterday, um, I was doing my uh, exam last night at the end of every every night. At the end of every night, I try to look back on my day and say, you know, where was God present? Uh, Where did I interact with him? Where did I miss it? And here's where I missed it. I was super nervous about a meeting that I had last night. Um, Amber and I had to go and talk through some really hard things with some friends. And instead of recognizing my anxiety and recognizing my pain and stopping and saying, God, this is painful and I'm anxious about this. Can you just be with me here? Um, instead, I did these mind loops. Like I thought about all the data points and how or what, you know, if they say this, then I'm going to say this. And then but you're also a lawyer. Absolutely. So that, yeah, Absolutely. That's what your brain does. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm making these arguments, right? And so, and that's a primary addiction for me is argumentation. Mm-hmm. It is a primary addiction. Wow. How can I win? How can I say the thing that needs to be said? How can I wake people up, right? Yeah. And so for three or four hours yesterday, I just ran these loops while I cooked and cleaned and bought Christmas presents and all these things. And last night as I was getting into bed, I was thinking, you know, I really missed an opportunity. Like I missed an opportunity to actually order my attachments and to go mm-hmm. to God and say, like, I'm anxious. I'm really uh, hurt, and I have to say these things. Mm-hmm. But how can I say them in a way that honors you and that's wise and that I understand and recognize that divine love is present with me in this moment of anxiety and will be present with me as I go into this conversation? Mm-hmm. I think that is the way we do it. I think yeah. that is the movement to make. Yeah. 18 minutes before the addiction sets in to say, oh, I recognize the pain. Oh, here I recognize, the yeah. yeah, here's yeah. the anxiety. Yeah. I'm reaching to text the guy or whatever it is yeah. and say, okay, pause. I'm going to order this right feeling I have, the desire for attachment. Ah, uh, that's good. That's good to say. Under what's what the right me? feeling here? That's right. I've never thought about that. Yeah, Because yeah. it always feels like the Bible tells us just to be stronger than our temptations. Yeah. And that there's no temptation before you that Jesus won't give you a way out right. of. And so then you sit there and go like, okay, I can be tough. I can't be tough. Yes. But if you tell me the first step is, what is the actual emotion, feeling, attachment thing that is right from God? Yes. Take, find that first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's also recognize what is the good thing you're looking for. Mm. You know, like for me, for instance, when I would reach for the bottle, the good thing I was looking for is someone to heal my pain. Yeah. Instead of reaching for the bottle, I should have reached for the phone and called a therapist. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a signaler that I have pain, that I'm coping in this way. Yeah. But there's actually a right a right answer, mm-hmm. which is to call the therapist. There's mm-hmm. actually a right answer, which is go to prayer. There's mm-hmm. actually a right answer, which is call my priest or my pastor or whatever it may be, right? So I think, too, recognizing that that these signalers are meant for our good. Yeah. And also about the scripture thing, like, I get it. These guys weren't sitting out to write a book of psychology. Right. It's like, this isn't a therapeutic manual, right? right? Um, And so the good and beautiful things about scripture and the good and beautiful things about therapy and psychologists, they can be held in both hands together. Yes, let's tell the church Um, that. And it's super important that we wake up to that. Yeah. I mentioned getting a text in the middle of the night on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I knew exactly what was happening when I got the text at 1245. And someone on Instagram jumped back at me and kind of said, well, the man I married, we when we were dating, we would text like that, and it kind of increased our relationship. Mm. So we kind of went back and forth, and I was like, I hear you, but the motives are different, and the da-da-da. And I said, we can be having the same experience, but because there's different motives and because of our histories, yep. 
one is an addiction and one is not. Yep. How someone else feels about Oreos and how I feel about Oreos is different. How do we figure out if what we are feeling is that we just really like having a cigarette after dinner or it's an addiction? Yeah. How do you know the difference? Yeah, so I think it operates on a spectrum. Consider, for instance, cocaine. Okay. <laughs> right? I, I let's have go actually, all the way. I've considered it and I've decided against it. Consider, yeah. <laughs> let's do that. Okay. But yes, I mean, but there, the chance that someone listening is actively in a relationship with cocaine is 100%. 100%. And right? we are still your friend. 100%. We still pick you. 100%. Yeah. Um, and I have friends who are helplessly addicted to heroin and cocaine. Like, yeah. it's a thing. There's no right way to order that attachment, right? So there are some things that we know, like a line of cocaine is not healthy. It is destructive. It is not sacramental. It is not given to us by God for our good to draw us through and into his grace, right? Got it. So there are some things that fall well outside of the extreme, right? And that so, would be an affair. An affair, That yes. would be, so anything that is not for our good in any way, shape, or form. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like anything that destroys the actual bonds of sacramental attachment to God. Like okay. cocaine wasn't given to us for our good. Affairs were not given to us for our good. Prostitution was not given to us for our good, right? These are right. things that we know. Outside of that, I do think it operates in a spectrum. Okay. And I think the question that we have to start with is when the pain comes calling, where do we turn? Mm-hmm. So That's when the, the pain came, comes calling in my life, what did I do? Pre-2013, really I turned to the bottle. Ten times out of ten. Yeah. If there's a gin bottle, I'm going to drain it. If there's a whiskey bottle, I'm going to drain it. In a pinch, peppermint schnapps, they'll do. Right. Like whatever it is, right? Now those things are different. So I had a really, really long teetotaling season, uh, a season before I would even go to the communion rail and mm. take the communion cup, mm-hmm. right? And in that season— Yes, because y'all go to a church where it's wine, not juice. It's so that's, wine. I just want people to know that yeah. that's why. It wasn't that you wouldn't drink something purple. Right. It right. is that Kool-Aid. y'all is actually wine. Yeah. I, did, I did drink Kool-Aid. Uh, <laughs> Which but, I respect. But I would I would turn to other things, right? I might turn to— um, I might turn in some seasons to sugar. I might turn in some seasons to books. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm a helpless book addict. Yes. I brought a book There's in. one sitting right in front right. of you. Yeah. That's right. Les Mis, yes. as a matter of yeah. fact, not right. even a casual right. book. Right, because I've never read it. And shouldn't we all read this before yeah. we die, right? This it's ridiculous, right? But but these are the things that I did. You know, I turned to argumentation. I turned to theology. Mm-hmm. I made theology a God mm-hmm. at some points in my life. So anytime you have the pain, the pain comes calling, you have these anxieties, you have these questions, these existential questions of life, what do you turn to? If you're turning to anything other than the divine love, if you're turning to anything other than God, that thing probably your addictive uh, source. Mm. But there's a spectrum on whether it is an addiction that yeah. needs therapy, rehab, da-da-da, and a, oh, I could go there pretty hard. Yeah. I should probably start paying attention. And there's a really good exercise. Um, I actually write about it in the book. Um, it's an exor- In the new one, the one in, that came In the up. new book, The, the book, book of Waking, waking up. up. Yeah. Um, it's an exercise that comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola. And so what he would— They quote him a lot on Pray As You Go. It's my it's the app I listen oh, to every morning. They, they quote him there's, a lot. There's good reason for that. Yeah. And that's a whole other conversation about why we don't listen to the old saints anymore. But, yeah. but one of the things that he said is—and he didn't say this exactly, but he's, he's giving us the idea that these things do operate on a spectrum. Yeah. And he's saying, like, when you go to the table, there are certain foods that are prone to be more addictive— that are sort of prone to create attachment. And there are certain drinks that are too. Wine, right, is Mm -hmm. his big example. And he's saying, hey, look, 
on the spectrum, bread is probably not going to cause a huge attachment. Although I very much argue that he never had sourdough from <laughs> he just San Francisco. Know. So That's he doesn't, right. he he didn't, didn't know. know. Um, rich meats. He can't talk about Snickers. Uh, he, doesn't know. He, he doesn't know. He doesn't know Oreos. About, what do you know about Snickers, man? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but rich fatty foods. Yeah. He said these are things prone to attachment. Alcohol, these are things prone to attachment. Carrots. You're not going to be you're like, I've got a real yeah, thing. I have a carrot addiction. Yeah, yeah. Not a thing. Rare. Yeah. Never said by anyone no, ever. No, um, But what he said is when you sit at the table and you look at these things that could be substances of addiction or attachment, as he said, disordered attachments, he said, sit down at the table and imagine that you're sitting with Jesus and his disciples mm. and then eat as he would eat and drink as he would drink. And we know Jesus drank wine. Yeah. And we know Jesus ate bread and meat, right? And so it's not about saying... So how do you think he would eat? In moderation. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Like, even when you ask that, my soul kind of felt like it'd be slow. It'd be slow. It'd be slow and it'd be intentional and he'd only pick the grapes that are beautiful. It just feels like he would do all that yeah. well and I don't do it well. Well, and think about the Last Supper, that whole movement of the Last Supper. It would have been over hours. And at the end of it, the culminating moment of the Last Supper, he takes bread and he says, this is my body. This thing that was created by God is given to us as an actual tangible uh, representation of of body. Mm. This drink, this is my blood. Mm -hmm. He's saying this has been given to us by God for us for for to experience the grace of God in the land of the living, yeah. right? And so I think it is slow. It is in moderation. It is recognizing that these things are gifts given to us to bring us into a deeper grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And is everyone addicted to something? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a matter of you need to figure out if, it's you just need to figure out what. Yeah. 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 And I think, so it's a really simple exercise for me, right? And and this is why I do like Ignatius's language of disordered attachments, yeah. because what he's saying is, look, attachment isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, you being attached to something isn't necessarily bad. You being attached to bread or to wine or to what? It's not We're necessarily meant to be bad. attached. You're to meant to a be. lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. It keeps us alive. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So the question is not whether you're attached. It's are those attachments ordered under your attachment Brilliant. to Christ? Right. Yes. And so, I think the question is to sit down and to say, when I need a fix. What is it? Mm -hmm. And when that fix, when I like am in that fix, what does it do to my relationship with God? Yeah. And that's where we start to see if those attachments are disordered, if it's Oreos above God or mm -hmm. booze above God or sex above God or you know, shopping above God or men above mm -hmm. God, whatever that is, when the pain comes calling, whatever we're prone to sort of flip, mm. that's the addiction. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to write down, identify, mark down, and work through. Yeah. And then... In six months, eight months, when we get those attachments righted in the right order, guess what? Probably something else There's is going to come one. up. Onions. We're all and like it, Shrek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just just keep working through yeah. uh, these attachments and these addictions. One of the things my counselor and I talk a lot about is she will often I'll say, oh, I did this or I'll do that. And she goes, yeah, I don't actually care if you even do the addiction thing. I don't even care if you go to the thing you don't want to go to. I want to talk about the why that was 18 minutes before. Yeah, She was like, that's where my yep. concern is. In fact, if you work it through 18 minutes before and still do the thing, yep. I'm all right. Yep. You'll quit doing that eventually. Yep. The behavior is absolutely secondary yeah. to the 
mindset and, yeah. and the decision of yeah. doing the behavior. Yeah, it's the thing under the thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I've said so mm-hmm. often is it's not the behavior. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, sin management, man, come on. Gosh, Are we I not over that? I've tried it so long. Right. I'm not good at it. And, you know, when I was being raised up, I was told sin management works. Mm-hmm. You know, you just set mm-hmm. your nose to the grindstone. You just do it. Yeah. Uh, you can manage anything. And guess what? It was a lie. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's the problem with all the Christians of us that are listening that grew up in church. And the story was there is no temptation that's greater than you can handle. Yep. So you better figure out a way to be fine. So if you can't, you better hide it. That's right. And so we just have a collection, I think, of people who grew up in the church that are 30 five to 50, who either have walked all the way away because they couldn't figure it out, yeah. or who hide it, yeah. or who get on microphones and talk about it. I feel like those are the only three, yeah, those are your three you options. You either announce to everyone right. that I recognize I was disordered yeah. and I'm working on it, That's right. or I don't know, I just think, man, that was a that was a misstep. Every generation, there's been a misstep. We're misstepping currently, oh, absolutely. and we're about to talk about it, but... But I feel that, too, as a person who grew up in this. Yeah, yeah. And I think, so to me, if somebody would have just said, hey, like, confess, it's a safe place, it's cool. I start Every time I speak, every time I start with, this is a safe place, this is a confidential space, uh, at the breaks you can come talk to me, and whatever you say is between us, and there is zero judgment. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever it is, zero mm-hmm. judgment. And I've had I was about to say, you'd have whatever to say, it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if I had been told that growing up, man, how much freedom could I have walked into? Yeah. Just by knowing, like, I can go talk to somebody, mm-hmm. and they can help me learn how to order my attachments instead of hide my yes. attachments. We are all just like Adam and Eve. Absolutely. <laughs> we all went like, oh, no, hide. <laughs> Hurry. Amber, Amber Amber said this once and then she wrote it and I thought it was so good. She said, um, I, I don't get mad at Eve because if uh, Eve wouldn't have eaten the apple, I surely would have. Uh, serious. Yeah, everybody be saying my name <laughs> right, over and right. over. I'm convinced of that too. I just yeah. think I think it's in all of us. I think I did hear a little bit more this is a safe place as a student, as a child growing up. I think what my personality and what my Anniness needed was, oh, you're actually gonna screw this up. Yeah. For sure, you're going to keep making yep. mistakes. We'll get through that. This is a safe place for you to say why you're doing what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just if you will say out loud what you're doing, you'll feel better. Yeah. It just got to where that did never make me feel. I was confessing sin to people, and I never felt any different. Yeah, and I think that's the hard part is like confession. When you couple confession with shame, it never works out. It never works. But when you couple confession with, okay, now let's get to the why beneath it. Yeah. Let's get you into therapy. Let's get you into counseling. Let's get you into whatever it is you need, a spiritual mm-hmm. director. Whatever mm-hmm. those things are, let's get you the tools you need to get to the why. Mm-hmm. That's when we can start to find freedom. Mm-hmm. I think so often I feel this with romantically, but I also feel this sometimes with God, that there is a tightrope I can fall off of. That one misstep, and I lose the love, yeah. the divine love, yeah. either that I'm experiencing directly from God or through a man. And so th- so even this morning, I was saying to the Lord, this is a control problem. Mm. Life is not a tightrope. But I actually think it's an addiction conversation, too, because addictions make you feel like you fell off. Who cares? Don't you feel? You feel fine, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you can still get your needs met. Yeah. Don't worry. You screwed Absolutely. up, but don't worry. Absolutely. I mean, I can. I think I'm professionally addicted more than I realize. <laughs> well, and and that's a good point too, because you said a couple of things. One, you talked about control, and mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the context that you meant that in, but I do think that we do things that uh, 
the outside world sort of applauds. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, Annie, you can control yourself. Like, you can control your impulses. You can, you have control over your business. I walked into your office and I'm like, oh, this is a really well-oiled machine. <laughs> well, like, there's only two of us in here, right, so but, it's easy. But <laughs> you, you do a good job. It, you know, you, yeah. you tend to your business well. And I think that's the kind of thing that the outside world looks at and says, like, you have it together. But can't that but be an addiction too? A hundred percent. You know? I mean, if I read you my journal, what I would read to you this morning is, I do not have the strength to control this relationship. I do not have the strength to control this company. And I do not have the strength to control myself. Because what I tend to think is, I can do all this. Yeah. I can do yeah. all this. Whatever I do determines whether this works or doesn't work. Yeah. And it's easier for me to process that not about work. And yeah. then this morning, I felt like the Lord was going, yeah, but how about at your job? You think <laughs> you, because I, I, we even joked it with Jenna. And something I say a lot in meetings is, no one can trash this company except me. Yeah. You are safe to make yeah. mistakes. What I'm not saying is, but I'm not. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And let's go back to the attachment mm-hmm. stuff, because here's where I think it really, like, the rubber really meets the road. Is this right? accidentally a counseling session? This wasn't I don't how know. it's supposed Does to it be. Feel like a, are you I a counselor? Think, I don't know. I'm not okay, licensed. Great, I'm great. not licensed in anything. <laughs> uh, I am licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, <laughs> but otherwise. Um, you have been placed in a particular time for a particular people, the people listening to this podcast, the people read that read your work, right? right? You've been placed in a particular time with a particular people, and that is a real gift. Mm-hmm. And if the control piece of that side of – listen, it is a business, right? The, the, these things happen, but it's also a ministry, and it's also relational, and it's yeah. also all these things. Right. But if those pieces can come under – right, primary attachment to the divine love first, then there's so much more freedom Mm -hmm. in the practice of business, the practice of ministry, the practice of being relational with others Mm -hmm. in the world around you. And it frees you from having to have control because you know, like, this was a sacramental gift from God. It was a gift. gift. I literally can't screw it up Mm -hmm. unless I treat it as if I'm entitled to it. Or as if I have the power over it. That's right. Yeah. Which is a type of entitlement. Yes. Oh, I can stop drinking anytime I want. So I'm just going to reach for the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. I have the power. I mean, and yet I didn't. Yeah. And I felt entitled to my booze, yeah. just like every protagonist in every 80s back-to-school <laughs> special ever. <laughs> I can quit whenever I want, Annie. That's right. I mean, one of the most interesting things you've—I think everything you say is interesting, but one of the most interesting things you've said today is the more you tell yourself, oh, I can quit, I'll quit, I won't go this again, the cycle— is louder in your head. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's why diet companies make billions of dollars is because they tap into that in your head. And it's why no matter how many times I can delete a phone number of a person or change their name, if I tell myself, you can't ever speak to that man again, that is the beginning of the new cycle for me. Absolutely. That's the start of it. Absolutely. And again, I think it's that idea that that we couple this sort of recognition, this confession Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the shame mechanism instead of actually doing the work underneath it. And when you put those things together, it's a death spiral. Shame is so awful. It's terrible. I realize I don't think a lot of my friends, we've talked about a lot in my real life. I don't think a lot of my friends and I have realized how often we mistake shame for God's correction or God's like guidance. (laughs) Yeah, because God needs us to be ashamed. Uh Uh-huh, right, in order to behave. (laughs) Right, right. And I do think that there is something worth 
talking about discussing, sussing out, probably with a therapist or a spiritual director, not with me, certainly. But like, I do think there's a difference between guilt and shame. And I do mm-hmm. think that there are definitely moments in my life where I felt guilty and those have been corrective. Yeah. Um, just like I think there are times when I've taken on the mantle of shame and God has stepped in and used that mm-hmm. and later corrected it to say, you know, there was no reason to be ashamed, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think those things can be corrective. But when we continue to act and wallow in these cycles of shame, like, it is a death spiral. Mm-hmm. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation today with Seth to tell you about one of our new friends that y'all are going to love that is making the show possible, and that is ClassPass. One thing that will kill your fitness goals in 2020 in the bad way is boredom. Because within a couple of weeks, you may be sick of going to the same gym or doing the same workout, but not with ClassPass. ClassPass is an all-access membership to over 30,000 of the best gyms and fitness studios all over the world. You can go where you want, when you want, and how you want. ClassPass is everything you need to make working out fun. You can try new workouts and studios without a commitment to a single gym or overpaying for drop-ins. Yoga, strength training, spin, bar, even boxing, ClassPass gives you a variety and the accountability you need to attend class. They've got something for everyone near your work, near your house. ClassPass is seriously everywhere. And monthly memberships start at just $15. You can cancel at any time. Mix it up and find the perfect studios and classes just for you. I am a huge fan of ClassPass. It's what got me into boxing that I do and have the little wraps in my car all the time. It also is why I tried like three new gyms around my house. I absolutely love ClassPass. And y'all know one of our favorite friends on the show, Mary-Kate Morrissey, who is in the traveling Broadway show of Mean Girls. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see our girl, Mary-Kate. Mary-Kate is a huge ClassPass fan. So as you're following her and watching all the gyms she's getting to go to is because she's part of ClassPass too. So you guys, you can get your first month free at classpass.com slash New Year's. Again, that's classpass.com slash New Year's for your first month free. Again, try classpass.com slash New Year's. You guys try it out. You're going to love it. It's really actually, actually really fun. And now back to the show with Seth. I was unkind to someone last week and I felt horrible, but I knew what I was doing. I mean, I, there was no question that what I was choosing to do or say, it wasn't one of those, I accidentally hurt her feelings. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I'm being awful. And we got, I got in the car with two other friends and I was still being awful. And I got home and I felt, I mean, but I felt guilt. I did not feel shame. I yeah. felt guilt of, oh, God won't leave me alone about this because I need to, why I did this is saying a big loud thing to me. Yeah. So I called the two girls I was with and I was like, hey, I think I know why I did that. And I'm sorry. And I need to confess to y'all, not that the behavior, mm-hmm. I need to confess to y'all that there is this thing under that I haven't said out loud. And yeah. I need to say out loud. The thing the re- under the thing. Yeah. And I never felt unloved yeah. by the Lord. And yeah. that's when I can tell the difference yes. in guilt and shame. 100%. Yeah. I think that's, to me, shame says, I am this. Mm-hmm. And guilt says, I did this. 
Mm-hmm. And I need to repent. Mm-hmm. I need to move away mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, when I'm wallowing in this cycle of like, oh, I'm this or I'm that or I can't do this or I can't yeah. do that or I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. that's to me when I recognize I'm in a really deep shame spiral. And How do that you get leads out? to addiction. I mean, f- for me, the answer is spiritual director and a therapist. Yeah. I mean, 10 times out of 10. Yeah. I got so lost um, in some anger this year, like completely lost myself in yeah. anger. My therapist would tell you that the the anger was justified. Yeah, I was about to say, what the we don't have to talk about it, yeah. but everybody would say it was justified. you're allowed to be My that friends bad. would tell me yep. it's justified. Yep. I would be furious if I were you, right? Yeah. But I found myself um, in this cycle of saying, why am I so angry? I'm terrible. I'm an awful person to feel this way, to have this much rage. You know, I'm about to talk about attachment to the divine love, and I can't even find my way to attachment. Yeah. And I started thinking through all these cycles of, of things that were really shaming. And I went to my therapist, and, you know, she walked me through uh, three sessions of, it's okay to be angry. Yeah. And if you let that um, really guilt you into this shame cycle to where you can't connect with the things that you care about, for mm-hmm. me, the divine love, then obviously, like, it's really jacked my whole worldview up. It's jacked yeah. my whole life up. It's yeah. thrown three months of my life off. If I can't get out of that shame cycle, and the only way I know how to do it is with spiritual direction therapy. Yeah, I agree with that. I think maybe in 1996, I would have told you to read your Bible. Or so I would have oh, thought sure. I needed to That's read my Bible. That's what I would have done. And I would have thought, if you just sit down and have one more quiet right. time, and if you will just tell people the sin behavior that you've done, yep. that will be the solution. And the longer I've done this, the more that feels like, I don't know how to use this word exactly right, but I think I'm about to, it feels like a construct that was handed yeah. to me, not yeah. from God, yeah, but from culture. Just said, yes. if you do A, B, and C, you will feel better Yes, and you will behave better. Yeah. And those just keep not being true. So, yeah, so that's what culture does. Culture creates constructs because constructs show us that we can control things, Mm -hmm. right? It's all about control. I mean, everything that we talk about is about power and control. Like, you have the power. You can control. Man, no. 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 I got to tell you, yesterday, I'm laughing already. Yesterday, we got in an elevator, three of us, three of my friends. Well, three of us. Packed elevator. And as soon as the door closed, my my friend Kelly yells in the elevator, Claustrophobia is a construct. <laughs> and I mean, oh, that's no good. one's talking because we're in an elevator. Right. And she says, Claustrophobia is a construct. That's so good. And I, I mean, I had tears because then right. you're also doing that church laugh yes. of like, I'm not supposed to be laughing because everyone's uh-huh. still silent, but mm-hmm. she just yelled, Claustrophobia is a construct. You should work that into just your next, some, somehow like mm-hmm. normal, like just work it into your normal like speaking. Speak it, yeah, the next time I'm on a stage, yeah. just like, and claustrophobia is a yeah, construct. Yeah, just keep everybody, And just let yep. it, and people be just like, I took, that, I took notes of What that. does that even mean? Right. It changed my life. Um, if someone's in an addiction and this is the first time they're like saying that to themselves, mm-hmm. what next? I had a really snarky response. Oh, you can do that first. They're, they're not going to go anywhere. Oh, well, my snarky response was going to be, don't go to your pastor first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, That's fair. Yeah, I think what I would tell them, and there's a place for pastoral counseling. There's mm-hmm. a place for confession. If you're in a tradition that practices confession to your priest, there are places yeah. for all those things, and those things need to be very early in the process if you recognize and realize you're in addiction. But I would say the number one move you need to make is to call a therapist. Number uh, one, out okay. of the gate, call a therapist. I would even say... 
How do you find one? People ask me all the time, how do you find a counselor? It's so hard. And so much of it is trial and error. Yeah. And so much of it is talk to people you know who have a therapist that they really like. That might be worth calling your church over is saying, hey, do y'all have three or four names that y'all recommend? Yes. Yes. And you're allowed to go to an appointment and pay for it and never go back to that counselor if it's not, if it doesn't feel like a good fit. Yeah. And so I had another friend who was at a therapist and the therapist wasn't exactly um, giving, giving her what she needed, sure. right? There, there was no like emotional connection because the therapist in her mind thought, what you need is for me to analyze this situation. Mm-hmm. And finally, the woman just said, look, I need you to be here with me. And like, yeah. and, and it flipped everything. Like it oh, let wow. the therapist know, oh, you need emotional support, not right. data entry, right? right? And right. so um, I think it's also fair to say like, just because you don't like it the first time, like stick with it. Okay. Tell them what you need. Yeah. Tell, you know, tell them where you are in life mm-hmm. and those things. But I would say number one is to find a therapist, ask your friends, ask your pastor, yeah. ask whomever you want. You know, yeah. For me, another super helpful thing was to find a good spiritual director. Uh, mm-hmm. That can also be hard. Um, yeah, I've been trying to find a spiritual director. I, it's really I, hard. It's really hard. It's really hard, but there are um, places online that you can go to. I, I can give you some links before yeah. um, I leave, but um, there are places you can go online to find like licensed spiritual directors yeah. and people who know what they're doing. I often tell people, you know, look for some Ignatian or Jesuit center. Yeah. Um, there's one, uh, uh, Loyola, up in Minnesota that I use that's really great. Yeah. And, and there are all sorts of different avenues to go, right. but find a good Jesuit spiritual director. Yeah. yeah. I would also throw in that if it's a if it is an addiction that's dangerous to you or to someone in your family or to well they're all dangerous to be fair but if if you're putting a name to something that's been really hurting you yeah. telling someone now is right Absolutely. So while you're looking for a counselor go ahead and tell yes. your neighbor or your friend yes. or your parents Probably not your child. Yeah, it's probably yeah, yeah. not the person yeah, to go yeah. to, but a spouse or a friend. Yeah. Or go ahead and tell somebody. And I'm glad you said that because um, I recognize that in my own journey, I sort of leave AA off that list. That's not intentional. Mm. I, I didn't go through AA because yeah. I stepped immediately into therapy, and the therapist said to me, um, when you go to AA, you're going to have to start looking for a higher power. And because of the pain you're dealing with, like I'm really hesitant to tell you to do that because yeah. you might not find your higher power yeah, and that's yeah, going to yeah. be trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so I would say if it's a particularly harmful, if it's a sex addiction, a narcotic addiction, an alcohol addiction, maybe a good idea to find an AA chapter yeah. or an NA chapter or an SA chapter yeah, or, chapter, C- yeah. or CR, you yeah. know, if you're in a celebrate recovery community. Yeah. And those are really easy to find online. Yeah. And you can pop in and go one time yep. and they are the most judgment-free zones Absolutely. in the world. Absolutely. So, that's so freeing. The way, I don't know if you listen to Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. I, I love that show. Yeah. I mean, the way Dax <laughs> talks about their AA meetings, I'm like, they are all so famous, probably. And then there's probably like 30 super normal people in yeah. there who nobody knows. Absolutely. And they just all like each other mm-hmm. because it's such a judgment-free space. Well, and that's what humans need. Humans need to be able to say, I really screwed up. Here I am. Here's my screw up. And to have people yeah. come alongside them to say, you know what? So am I. But yeah. we can do this together. Yeah. That's what AA and NA and SA do. I yeah. mean, they I really function that way. If you feel like addiction is a more central storyline in your life, then you realize you got to hold somebody's hand now. Absolutely. Go ahead and do Absolutely. that. Yeah. And so this is, you didn't set me up to do this. I'm setting myself up to do this. Your book, The Book of Waking Up, it, what I loved about it when I read it, is it did feel like a handhold. Yeah. It just because it's for people who don't have it in front of them like I do. It is not chapters and it it is not devotionals either. Yeah. It is short essays. Yeah. I mean most pages are five paragraphs max. Max. Yeah. And how many are there altogether? 
hundred and fifty. No, a hundred, a hundred and sixty-four. Is that right? Did I nail it? One hundred sixty-three. One hundred sixty-three. Oh yeah, so it's one hundred sixty-three really short discussions, conversations. And and so, do you want me to let you in a little yep. numerology here? Yeah. Oh, uh, you did this on purpose. <laughs> I oh, I can't. Well, I said one hundred sixty-four. It equals ten. Yeah. And what is uh, divine love? That's ten letters. So the whole purpose was to like wrap this up in a complete total you monster. That's brilliant. It, well, I don't know if it's brilliant. Divine love is ten letters. Yeah, one plus six plus three is ten. That's right. That, That's why I, did I it. mean monster in the highest compliment because I love when people <laughs> think things like that and don't tell me. Yeah, I worked. I worked for it. That's um, really cool. And so in the book, you ask five questions. Can I read those five yes, questions? Yes, please read the questions. What is the problem? What is the pain? What is addiction really? What is sobriety? And how do we wake to the sober way? Yeah, yeah. That's real. I mean, that just feels like such a handhold. If it's Oreos, this is such a right next step. If it's drugs, yeah. I need you to go to yes. to a professional yep. and then get this yep. book. But there's so many of us that have these addictions that there isn't a meeting for. Yeah, right, right, right. So, um, I'll also say, did you ever read The War of Art? Stephen yes, Pressfield's it's shaped book? just like The War of Art. Yes. There's a reason for that. I yeah. mean, when I read The War of Art, I thought. Oh my gosh, this is so perfect for every artist, for every creative. Mm-hmm. It is a handhold. Mm-hmm. It's it's very creative. Uh, he uses all his tools as a yeah. writer to kind yeah. of bring it home so you don't yeah. feel like you're reading some sort of a creative how-to manual. Yep. And when I sat down to really think through the construct, there yeah. you go, for this book, Thank you. Um, I thought, you know, what I really want to do is write something that has that sort of Pressfieldian feel to it, yeah. something that walks us through in a creative way, but that still says like... This isn't a manual. Right. It's not a how-to, but it right. will get us home, right. and it gets us home through a logical flow. Do you want people to read them one a day? I've actually had mixed reviews on that so far. Okay. So I've had um, two or three people say that they sat down and read it, and one said— I read it in one sitting. Sitting, yeah, yeah. and said, I'm going to go back and read it again. Yeah. And those people have actually said to me, um, I want to curate a group to read it again mm. because I want to go slower through it, and yeah. I know that I'm not going to do it unless I sit down with a group yeah, of people. Yeah. So, um, And then I've had a couple people, maybe three people, like sort of read it a little bit at a day, two or three mm-hmm. sections at a day, and mm-hmm. they're consequently, they're not through it yet. So mm-hmm. um, I think you can do it either way. Yeah. Um, I do recommend people read it in a group yeah. just to take the time to make sure they're answering the questions. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful work. Thanks. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. I feel the same about Coming Clean. You know that. We have a real short list of books that I endorse every year, purely out of time, because we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I record a lot and write a lot and travel a lot. And so we have a... But we have a short list, but it was such an easy yes for me to be a part of telling people that your book exists and telling them what I thought of it. That's why I read it in one sitting was more of a time crunch. Like I don't (laughs) endorse books I don't read and I got to read this whole thing. Go, go. Yeah, yeah, go, Annie, go. And so it helped that they were um, short and to the point. One of the things you said when we sat down before we started is how about social media being a cultural addiction for us now. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yes, let's talk about Even that. Even though a large portion of my job is dependent upon yeah. my social media yeah. experiences, yep. I also feel that there are days where I can't put my phone down because I don't want to. I mean, is social media innate neg- an innate negative? No. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at you like I think it's not innately negative. Well, what are the good things about social media? Connection is nice. Connection is great. Friendship with people I would have never found. Absolutely. It. I mean, we're friends because Absolutely. of the internet. That's because right. Because of your wife and I meeting through an internet. 
Absolutely. A writing website where we both wrote for yeah. courage. Yeah. And, and people need connection. Mm-hmm. Communication. Huge positive yeah. of social media. I mean, you yeah. look at the things that have happened across the world, you know, people coming out of slavery and into freedom yeah. because of social media, like yeah. because of communication. Right. So I think connection, communication, we were made for these things. These things are good. And so there's a piece of social media where where it really can be positive. But again, the question is, uh, is it ordered properly uh, under the divine love? Are we mm. going to social media as a primary source for connection? Like if you're going there for your primary source of connection and you don't have it in your local community, you're off. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to say it. That's fair. Right? I want you if to If you're say going that. for like a primary, your primary source of communicating your feelings, but you can't do that with your therapist, if that's your primary place of confession, but you don't have a church where you're confessing or a group of people where you're confessing or an NA meeting where you're confessing, like you're off, yeah. Um, because that space was never meant to function as a primary. Mm-hmm. It's a supplement. It's a mm-hmm. secondary, right? It's got to be secondary, yeah. And I think what I feel that I I see, and my temptation. So I can just talk about myself. Yeah. My temptation is that when um, when I feel lonely, which you know, again to go back to the enneagram type as a five four, like it's kind of frequent. Yeah. And when I feel and lonely, you live with a lovely wife and four I sons, do. you're and they're surrounded awesome. by and they're awesome. They're and all, you can still feel that's lonely. Right. That's so important. That's right. And when when I need to go somewhere to feel competent mm-hmm. or to feel heard mm-hmm. or to feel like you have heard this poem I've created or this this new piece of research that I've found, like that's where I go. And I don't know that that's innately healthy because it is constantly asking people, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's trying to meet a need that I have instead of taking that need where it needs to go first. So how do we do this well? Because the thing you and I were also saying is there's like no scientific evidence that we're better for this. That's right. It's In fact, it's telling us your brains aren't working as well as they did 20 years ago. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the, the really difficult thing is, I mean, I think if you had to default one way or the other, the default would be let's burn it to the Delete ground. Delete it. Yeah, that's Delete what it, I— yep. get out. Yep. I mean, right now I don't have Twitter on my phone. I don't have Facebook on my phone. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, I don't have Facebook or email. I mean, yeah. it's smart, right? Because I think uh, that, that constant invita- invitation, the constant distraction from the things that matter, and our brains are wired every time. I mean, the science tells you this. Every time you get an email notification, every time you get the little, you know, notification, notifications on Facebook or Twitter, your brain dumps a fat load of chemicals up in there to say, hey, this feels good, do this more, you know? Um, And so I think the brain science is, the neuroscience is telling us, like, if you had to default one way or another, delete it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we were talking before we went on, I'm prone to this addiction, I'm prone to Facebook and Twitter addiction, and yet I'm supposed to be promoting a book that is going to ask me to go into the spaces of addiction and engage. Yeah. And so this is very much on my mind right now. And I think, again, the question has to be, like, God, how do I order this under the connections that you want me to have to you first? And then where does it fall in the line of attachment? So, again, if we go back to the example of ordering attachments, primary attachment one to God. Is attachment two to social media? Well, it better not be. Sure. It better be to my local community. Is attachment three to social media? Well, it probably better not be. It ought to be to probably some other really tangible way of living. And then social media becomes just a supplement for those things. If it's too far up the list or, heaven forbid, it's above divine love, yeah. like we're out of sorts. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a good thing that I ask myself on Wednesdays or my Sabbath, my day off, and I don't have social media. 
I usually delete it. But last week I had done some drafts in my Instagram, so I didn't want to delete it because you lose all the drafts. And I mean, I was doing, I was reading a book. I was so happy. And all of a sudden I just picked up my phone and opened it. And and before I knew what I was doing, I was like, Annie, (laughs) it's Wednesday. Mm -hmm. This is why, like, wow, wow. This isn't even like an addiction out of pain. This is a pure like habit. Habit. That's right. Yes. There's this really interesting passage in Les Mis, actually, since uh, I have it here. Since you have I'm it sitting gonna, here. I'm just going to bring it yeah, up. I'm yeah. just going to But there's this, in, in the book, there's this really interesting passage where uh, Jean Valjean is in the bishop's house. And if you know the story, he's an ex-convict and um, this bishop has taken him in for the night and, mm-hmm. and he has very little money and he has this inkling that if he could just steal the bishop's silver... Um, that maybe he could run off and start a new life with with mm-hmm. all the money. Mm-hmm. And the passage is really fascinating, though, because he wakes up at like 2 or 3 in the morning. I can't remember, but it shows him working these loops of yeah. get the silver, get the silver, get the silver. And before he knows it, his feet are on – he's sitting up. That, yeah. Get the silver, get the silver. Before he knows it, his feet are on the floor. Get the silver, get the silver. Before he knows it, he's in the room. Yeah. And it's this really uh, poignant um, writing on addiction. He was addicted, attached to stealing the stuff, and that is exactly what you just described. Like mm-hmm. before you even know it, yep. you're there, you're doing the thing. Yep. I think that's a primary indicator that something's out of order for us. Yeah. Like if I can't have a moment in the line at the airport waiting for my coffee where I'm not like on my phone, right? that's probably an indication that something's out of whack. That's literally an experiment I make myself do. You have to wait in this line at the post office and you cannot pull your phone out of your purse. And then I just have to stand there at the post office. And it's ins- it induces insanity. <laughs> it is insane. Yes. yes. All of a sudden you're yeah. like, I don't want to see all these people. I don't That's want- right. What are they looking at? What That's if right. something's happening? It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. But so is it bad that I enjoy the feeling of getting a text message? No way. Okay. No way. Because part of me goes, do I turn off all my notifications? And just never feel that feeling because it leads to addiction? Or no. how do we balance this? No, I think parameters are good. I mean, okay. again, you know, we talk about constructs and we talk about do's and don'ts. And again, that is not the point. The point yeah. is like not to drink or not to drink, to text or not to right. text, to tweet or not to tweet. That is <laughs> right. not the question. Right. Amber, my wife, which I don't know that I said that earlier, but uh, Amber and I were talking the other night and she was saying, you know, I think I might need to put some constructs around even the way we communicate um, like like how we communicate via text message at nighttime or Between how much I'm – No, just like with other people. Like we're, yeah. we're at home. Our kids are there. We're getting text messages. I'm getting work emails. Yeah. Um, maybe she's sitting on the couch and the kids are watching Star Wars Rebels and she doesn't care, so she's scrolling Pinterest. Yeah. She's literally saying like what are some mechanisms that we can put into place to say our phones are in another place. We yeah. don't have access to them. We are not texting. We have notifications on our text messages that say, sorry, these are the down hours. Yeah. I think we can do some really simple things like that to really hedge against these addictions, like delete social media apps from your phone Yeah. if if they're an addiction. Yeah. Uh, set hours that and are- And delete them, and that'll tell you if they're an addiction. Absolutely. You'll know in about 45 minutes. Right, because you'll either put them back on, uh-huh. or you'll have cold sweats, or yeah. you'll be fine. It'll be one of those three you'll things. Know. If you right, are sure know. today, here's a test. 100%. Delete everything off your phone for 100%. 24 hours and see yeah. what makes you panic. That's right. That's right. But turn on do not disturb notifications on mm-hmm. your text messages. I mean, mm-hmm. do the little things that give you free, uninterrupted hours of thinking space yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. If you go into a meltdown- it's probably an indication of something. Good to know that. And I think it's so good that for the first 
40 minutes of this, we talked about motivation before, but then it's important to spend 10 minutes on behavior. Absolutely. Because the behavior matters. Behavior it, matters. As my, my counselor, as she said, she doesn't care as much about the behavior, but yeah. that doesn't mean every time I go in there, I'm going to go. So I've done these 12 addictions constantly, but yeah. man, I'm really thinking about it before I do them. You know, like <laughs> that's not, that's not healthy. I mean, so here's one that it's, it's really interesting because the, the, everything's changed. I'm 42 years old. Everything's changed since I was a kid. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, now I'll speak a little bit to both men and women because yeah. we know that porn is not a man problem. Oh, it's an zero percent. Everybody problem. Yes. Um, But when I was growing up, like we weren't allowed to talk about it. You did not talk about it, right? As I've gotten older, um, particularly in man spaces, um, the ability to to confess your porn addiction has Mm -hmm. almost become like ubiquitous. Like, oh, we're going to go to a men's conference and somebody's going to confess their porn addiction problem. Then we're all going to cry about it. Um, And there's going to be a judgment-free zone Mm -hmm. and his wife's going to know about it. And she's going to say, oh, it's okay as long as he tells me. And like we've set up these, it's okay as long as he tells me. But we never actually get to the heart of like, what are some behaviors that we can work on together yeah. Yeah. that help us beat back the problem? Because there is an actual behavioral element of it that's important. And mm-hmm. if we don't get to the behavioral element and the underlying pain points, right. we're never going to win. Right. Like it's a no-win situation. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that things like everything is just so available to us. Yeah. When we were kids, you only saw pornographic materials if you went and found them. That's right. You had to work for them, it. them. Yep. Or if you accidentally saw something on TV that yep. you that what that was a channel that you passed by anyway. Right. Or even if you um, did see it on TV because you were looking for it, you still had to work for it. That's right. Like and it you was couldn't work. rewind. That's right. It was yep. it, it, it flashed by and right. there it was. Right. Yeah. Right. And now it feels like whether and I do think this is spiritual as well as just cultural, pornography comes after us. Comes oh, after children. Absolutely. It is when I lived in Scotland, I was using a streaming service to watch The Bachelor, which is maybe, <laughs> there may be so much addiction there in that There may be paragraph. addiction there, right. Yes, yeah. right. The sidebars of that site were pornography. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, you don't yeah. even have to work for this You don't this have to stuff. work for it anymore. It'll, it'll come invite That's right. you. That's right. And so I was talking to- And you're um, raising four boys. Yeah, You I'm could raising be raising four, four boys and it matters, I it's mean, four br- girls and it matters too, but- well, and so people to, raising to, people like to that point, right? I was talking to um, a friend, a woman, not too long ago, and she's like, "Well, my husband deals with it. He's always going to struggle with it. I just have learned that that's his struggle, and it's okay." And I wanted to say, like, "No, no, it's right. not okay. Like, right. we have to talk about behavior some. Yes, like we have to talk about this. You know, I have four boys. They're going to struggle with it, right? They just are. I want them to be able to come to me, mm-hmm. and I want them to be able to tell me about it." When, when it eventually happens. Mm-hmm. I want to say this is a safe space, but I don't want to say, but it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Right. I want to have some structures in place that help deal with the behavior yeah. so that they can get freed up enough to go do the work in therapy, to yeah. go do a work with spiritual uh, director. And even with pornography, I would say, and we'll, we're going to do a little parent warning at the start of the show, so don't worry because there are kids in the back of the car seats. But but even with pornography, the question is, what do, what do you want? Well, you want right. emotional and physical attachment. Yes. yes. Fine. Yes. Yes. I want all four of your sons. I want every kid that I know to want to grow up and be intimate with other humans. Yes. That is absolutely what you want. Yes. Of course you want that. So here's 
one of the terms I use throughout the book of Waking Up, and I do think it's important. It's that sort of chemical rush, the whiz bang is what I call it in mm-hmm. the book. Anything that gives you that sort of chemical release, that big rush, mm-hmm. the whiz bang. And I think we all know sexually, like, that is a thing. That yeah. is a thing that happens, right? And so the question needs to be like, what is the purpose of that whiz bang? Mm-hmm. Is the purpose of that big rush, that whiz bang feeling? Is it to just be experienced in isolation by ourselves? No, it is meant to like bring us into union with another person. Mm -hmm. It is meant to couple us with another person in the eyes of God. And for very particular purposes, Mm -hmm. enjoyment Mm -hmm. of creation. Mm -hmm. There's no other way that humans can create outside of artistically other than by experiencing that whiz-bang together. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that we say like, this is not bad. Right. This isn't dirty. Right. This isn't foul. But there's an ordered way for this to be used. And it's yeah. like to couple with another human under the love of God. Yes. Like that's the point of this. Yeah. I think that is helpful that I'm the least parent of all the parents listening. <laughs> but I do. I am in the lives of a lot of kids. Yeah. But I would imagine parents hearing that there just has to be this conversation. And it's got to be so helpful. So I'm beyond thankful for you as usual. It's just got to be so helpful to go, let's have a conversation with our 13-year-old son about all the ways this is exactly what you should want. Yeah. Like, yes. 100%. Do, because what we don't want to do that may have happened a little bit of the kiss dating goodbye-ness with us mm-hmm. is, yeah, don't feel any of that. Yep. And then I... It's bad. The struggle I face as a 30-something single woman is being vulnerable enough to be emotionally intimate yeah. with a partner yep. because I was terrified of physical intimacy as a teenager. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because emotional and physical intimacy, they they really do kind of go hand in hand, whether you want them to or not. Like so often that's what happens. Yes. And so if you're taught that the physical intimacy is bad and dirty, why would you not be led to believe that the emotional intimacy that leads to that is bad and dirty? It's scary. If you go there. Yep. I mean, the whole bases situation. Yeah, the goal totally. is to get home. Totally. If you totally. go there, you're going to go there, you're going right. to go there. And so and so there just is a what a beautiful way to parent yeah. that y'all are doing with yours. And I know a lot of my friends are doing too of going like, I know. Yeah. That's great. Yep. That's great that you're yep. not scared to be in a relationship. Yep. Let's talk about how to do that really well. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's where the real challenge lies uh, for so many of us is to say like this isn't all about sex, that you don't have to couple emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. If we do, that excludes a whole lot of people from our yes, lives yes. And, and from the love of Christ. If, right. if that's how we're talking about it, emotional and physical intimacy go hand in hand, and that's the fullness of God, mm-hmm. then what do we do with our single friends? Right, who are choosing 100%. Yeah, yeah. Or people who decide to have one partner in their whole life. Absolutely. Does that mean you're only emotionally intimate with your one spouse you've had your yeah, whole that life? That can't be true. That can't be how we're And then to how be. do men and women relate in right. life, in the world around them, in right. the workplace around them? Like, how does that so again instead of thinking of it in these sort of like you know coupling or uncoupling ways i think the question has to be is is your emotional intimacy ordered under mm. the divine love and so when i go into a conversation or a relationship with another woman it needs to be divine love number 1 Number two needs to be the love that I have with Amber. And if anything compromises the love that I have with Amber in a relationship, that is a bad relationship for Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. because my attachments are in order. That has to be our default uh, rubric over and over again, whether it's behavior or emotional attachment or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. are those things ordered under divine love, 
the secondary relationship, yes. and then so forth and so on. And feeling those things, feeling that, oh, is this is this off? That's not the problem. No. Yes, you're. Ev- we are all going to be attracted to people we are not married to. Absolutely. But you feel that, you notice that, and then you go, okay, let's get this right. Yeah. Let's not fall into this pit. Let's notice there's a pit. Yeah, and let me say this. This is actually super important. Like, if you're in one of those relationships where you're noticing the attraction, mm-hmm. so if, if say, for instance, for me, and it'll be different for our single friends, right? Um, but for me, if the work is I'm attached first to Christ, I should be uh, attached second to my wife and third to anyone else, probably my sons, yeah. my local community, and then yeah. so forth and so on. If I'm noticing that I'm attracted to another woman, um, the way to deal with that is not to go to the woman and say I'm really say attracted that. with you or I'm dealing with attraction issues. That is not the answer. If you are noticing attraction to someone who is outside of your primary attachment uh, orders, mm-hmm. you need to go to a therapist. Okay. You need do to you go tell to your wife? Do you tell? Do you and Amber talk about that Absolutely. right away? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. She, like if somebody comes to her and talks about attraction, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? So, and this has happened several times over the course of our marriage. It's uncomfortable. And there's this way that we sort of live in this vulnerability culture where we prize vulnerability so much that that might actually be seen as a good. That's just not good. Yeah. It undermines a marriage. Yeah. It undermines other relationships. It it undermines attachment to the primary divine love, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if you're noticing that your attachments are out of order, particularly in the area of attraction, Go seek a therapist. Yeah. Go go find a priest. Go mm-hmm. find a pastor. Go mm-hmm. find somebody who. And that's can true talk if you're single this. too, because you, I, absolutely, I've been in that spot too of going yeah. like, that dude's married, right? Right. You, this thing you're feeling is you're allowed to feel this, right? You're not allowed to feel this about him. Yep. So you need to go tell yep. your people, and you're not allowed to tell him. No, or his wife. <laughs> right. That is not Neither the right way. next move. Right. You do not go to that's the right. dude, or you do not go to the other per- the person you're attracted to, or their spouse. That's right. You stop yourself. Yep. And you go to the people that are helping you walk toward... Go get help. Yes. Go get yes. help. Yes, it, but it's not from them. Yeah. Yeah. And again, judgment-free zone. You, you, certainly people are listening to, to this right now... Without question. ...who are in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a human reality. Yeah. And that's why this is so sacred, is yeah, we... They absolutely. have invited... No one else at the grocery store knows why they're crying. Yeah. But we do. Yep. And we we see you, and we love you, and it is okay. 100%. That's right. It just makes me cry. Because <laughs> it is just so, when I just think about my friends who are somewhere hearing this and just don't know what to do, and they have felt so lonely, and they don't anymore. Yeah. And we say, go get help. Yeah, and loneliness, there is a way to move in loneliness. And the way to move in loneliness is to find some time to get alone and to say, God, this hurts like hell. Right. Please come. Right. Please come. We are in the Advent season. Emmanuel, God with us. Right. That was a real moment. And it is still a real moment. Yeah, that's right. Well, we've really done a thing here, <laughs> Seth Haynes. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to us. Um, you have given us such a gift today that what you are feeling and what you want is fine. Yeah. It's what you do with it that matters. That's right. And why you feel it and what can you do with it. And so, yes, I just thank you for thank this. Thank you. You are a great author and a great friend and thank a you. great resource. I don't whether you want to be or not, but. Thank you. It's uh, such a joy, not only to be on the show, but it's a joy and an honor to know you. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, hey, the last thing we always ask, I know you're going to hate this as a Seth, maybe a little bit of your fiveness. 
because the show is called That Sounds Fun, what else can we do but to ask you, tell me what sounds fun to you. What it's do you really, guys do for fun? It's funny that you asked that question because um, on the way over here, I was Googling uh, comic book stores in Nashville. Oh, yeah. You know what sounds really fun is to lose myself for about two hours in a comic book store yeah. by myself. I think you're going to get to do that today. I might do that. <laughs> but do you? Are you Marvel or DC or both? I'm a Marvel guy. Jude's a DC guy. Okay. Uh, who's my second born. Yeah. So I have um, two kids that are Marvel, one that's DC, and one that is a fly fisherman and could care less. Oh, that's uh, adorable. Yeah, y'all do love to fish. Yeah, we love to yeah. fly fish. Okay. It's a good time. So you're Marvel. Who's your guy? I'm Marvel. Or Dare- girl? Daredevil. I mean, I don't know Daredevil. Oh, the blind uh, lawyer, the blind Catholic lawyer. Oh, I did not know, of course. He uses <laughs> he uses his hearing, his senses, his ability to gather data. Does he have a movie? To understand the world. No, but there's a Netflix series that I promise you is the most binge-worthy Great. thing on Netflix. I think it's three seasons. It gets pretty What's dark. What's it called? Daredevil. Daredevil. It's called Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's pretty dark, but it's... Super good. Okay, great. Super good. Super. Um, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? No, I think we nailed it. I think we really did it. You nailed it. <laughs> um, is there, did we close up enough of the addiction? Do you feel like everybody knows what they yeah. should do with what they know now? Yeah, I think so. We didn't leave anybody hanging. We just may have left them crying. I hope not. And if we did leave them hanging, they can reach out to me on email. Share my email. Are you sure? I'm very sure. Okay, do you want to say your email address? Yeah, it's uh, seth.m as in Mary, dot Haynes, H-A-I-N-E-S, at Gmail. Okay. If you're sure, we'll, I mean, that's absolutely tens of thousands of people. I understand. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's very And the, the the responses may be short, but, but they will be. They will be. They, they give him a little bit of time yeah. and be grateful for as many paragraphs as it is. Absolutely. <laughs> as that it is. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I hope everybody gets the book of waking up. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh, friends, isn't he just um, so wise and kind and caring? And I just want you to know we both hit stop on recording and just feel so tender to those of you that feel trapped in any kind of addiction, whether it is drugs or alcohol or food or shopping or humans, or whether you find yourself in an attraction that is not healthy for everyone involved. I just... um, We both feel really moved to remember you and think of you. And we are praying, honestly, that today would be the day you would reach out and get some help, whether that is, um, again, going to the right person really matters in this. And so praying also for wisdom for you as you sort out the things that you go to when you are in need. And so, um, hey, make sure you grab a copy of Seth's book, The Book of Waking Up. If you haven't read Coming Clean, his first one, I would suggest just going ahead and going twosies and grabbing them both because it's a really excellent read. But I just can't tell you how helpful. Well, you know now because you've listened to him for an hour, how helpful he is, how generous he is with his wisdom. And um, that is what The Book of Waking Up is full of. And so I hope you will grab a copy. And make sure you give him a follow. Again, if you need him, he gave you his email address. You are welcome to email him. And don't hesitate because there's a lot of you. Don't hesitate. And especially you nines out there who think my presence doesn't matter. Yes, you do. You're welcome to email too. Really, really, if if you think it would be of help to you to speak to him, he is available to you. So I hope you will email him. 
And if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. I hope you're joining us on the 100 Days to Brave 2020. It's not too late. If you want to jump in and read along with us, just grab a book. Start today is January 9th. Start on day nine. And you can finish out with us and then loop around and pick up the first ones that you missed. Or you can read two for a couple of days until you are caught up. So hope you are doing that with us. I think that's it for me today, friends. I am... I am so for you and so grateful that you trust me with this uh, time in your week. I just, I can't tell you how important that feels to me today. So thank you so, so much. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. Okay. And I will do the same. Y'all have a great weekend.